Good day, and welcome to Free to Be Faithful. I'm moderator Kip Allen. Free to Be Faithful is a religious liberty education and awareness program created by the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod in response to increasing governmental incursions into religious life. People of faith and our institutions have come under increasing attack in recent years from secular sources. The Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty in Washington, D.C. was created in 2017 to monitor trends from politicians and opinion makers and to be an advocate for our churches, schools, and universities. The center communicates its findings via newsletters and social media, including Facebook. One such post dealt with the January 6th takeover of the U.S. Capitol building by rioters. It condemned the violence and called for prayer and faithfulness. Executive Director Dr. Gregory Seltz felt the message was important enough that he put in a boost request that would increase the post audience. However, Facebook rejected the request to help spread that message. Why was this done? And what does it mean for the future? I'm free to be faithful moderator Kip Allen. With me today is the Executive Director of the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty, Dr. Greg Seltz. Greg, welcome to the program. Say, Greg, something happened uh, I saw in a posting that you gave to me that frankly frightens me. Uh, what happened <laughs> What happened was is that you tried to put a post under the uh, LCRL's uh, logo uh, on Facebook, and it's titled, A Prayerful Thought, Vigilante Violence Always Betrays the Cause, Prayer and Faithfulness Fortifies the Cause. Facebook rejected it. Well, they rejected. I mean, to be fair, they let me post. But usually, what I do when when something uh, garnishes a lot of uh, response, I, I boost it. And several times uh, in the last, not several times, there's been a couple of times where they've started to reject um, the boosts. And so, we're not sure, it, you know, how far they're letting our our posts go out. And so, and, and what's interesting is we always do it conservatively. We just want our friends to hear what we have to say. We're not. You know, that, that's the first place we want to start to say we have a perspective on these things. And so we tried to boost it out to our friends and it was rejected. It was rejected twice. So, um, you know, they wanted us to change some aspects of what we were talking about. And I think it had to do with the, the fact that we believe that all vigilante violence is wrong and it does not um, achieve the goals of, of, of a healthy civil culture, and it sure doesn't achieve the goals of, of the righteousness of God. So again, it's amazing. We can't push that view out. That's incredible. It's like there, somebody is saying, well, yeah, maybe some vigilante justice, uh, vigilante violence is worthwhile. Yeah, I would say that's probably a fair assessment of uh, of how th the question is whether or not there's actually somebody doing this to us or algorithms are doing this to us. And again, we got to a point where it was being shared and people said, well, they're not trying. They're not stopping us completely. And I thought, OK, well, then share it the old fashioned way, you know, just copy and paste it and do those kind of things. But it's just interesting because you that's part of the real problem with this stuff, too, is you don't really know. Um, now, they did say rejected, so that's why I copied and pasted that and said, folks, this is what's happening. Um, we weren't de totally deplatformed, uh, you know, like parlor or something like that. So, you know, I don't want to overstate what happened to us, but I also think, wait a minute, why, are, why is this being rejected at all? You know, because I thought it was a pretty well-balanced, uh, well-thought-out two-kingdom response to this, and... I think we have a, a voice uh, that really can be a calming voice in the middle of a lot of these crazy things, and now we can't 
you know, we can't have a public voice. So that's a, that's where this is. And you're seeing what big tech doing on to some other folks. So uh, it's a very nervous time for a lot of us. It's like the, um, you know, the camel's got his nose in the tent. I wish people understood, you know, we've tried to be very fair and balanced about a lot of this stuff. We said we're always talking about the platforms. We we're talking about the people. We're talking about platforms and policies, policies and platforms. And there's a lot of policies we can disagree with as Christians and still be faithful to the word of God. There's some fundamental policies, though or fundamental moral principles that, that we've got to stand for. And we talked about that sanctity of life, the institution of marriage, uh, and religious liberty, you know, the ability to preach the whole counsel of God. Well, what we're seeing is one group is actually going after those fundamental things. And so all we said to folks is, this is what we're talking about. We're not talking about our, our disagreements about uh, policies you know, that we can disagree on. We're talking about fundamental things. And now we're being told that we can't have an opinion that that differentiates itself from the kind of the secular progressive view of those things. And that's that's where this stuff gets really dangerous. It does. And uh, one thing I'd, li- I'd like to point out that you brought up in this uh, was Luther's uh, statements in 1525 uh, with the peasant uprising with, with which he sympathized. But he said flat out that violence was wrong. It didn't matter what the cause. It didn't matter what the cause was. What you were doing was wrong. Well, and that that vigilante violence. That's the you know that's because basically they they decided that since their cause wasn't be it wasn't being adjudicated as quickly or as faithfully as as it was supposed to be, it, they went on a murderous uh, rampage. And and so again, you know, Luther's point was that has to stop. I mean, that has to stop. And he chastised the magistrates as well and and felt that they had a responsibility to be honorable to each other. And again, the whole point of all this is to realize there's a God in heaven, too, who we've got to all be faithful to. And so, again, you know, Luther's point, he he basically said, I, I agree with what your your cause is. But what you're doing now is destroying you know, your you're delegitimating your own cause through the violence. And I think we've seen that. We saw that at this Capitol melee, but we've seen that all throughout the summer. And I think that, again, people are saying, well, you, they're different. I'm saying, no, they're both, they're all vigilante violence. Absolutely. And the other thing is that, you know, as, as Christians and as Lutherans, we're expected to spread the gospel. We are ex- expected to bear witness to this, to this truth. Right. And, and I think the, the whole point of even our political engagement, people say, well, are we getting too political? And the answer is no. We're just saying let we're just telling the government, let us be ourselves. I mean, that's really what we're saying. And then we will try to share the good news of the gospel. But that's law and gospel. There's a moral. You know, you can't share the gospel without preaching the law. And so really what's happening right now is is our view of what's moral, what God's view of what's moral and what's true. That's what's under attack. Um, we're not trying to get the government to aid us in preaching the gospel. We're just saying that we have a moral worldview that is legitimate in the public square. And, and we're being told, no, you don't. So that's where this is bogging down. And so, again, I'm telling you, you know, if you're a pastor out there, this is not a political thing. This is about can you be faithful to preaching law and gospel, the whole counsel of God, so that people can come to faith. And all we're saying is we have a First Amendment right to do that right now, and there are some people who would love to take that First Amendment right away. Greg, you uh, 
assume the executive directorship of this uh, position of the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty, uh, what, uh, about three years ago? Yeah, three and a half now. Have you observed in your time there things are getting worse, are getting better, or are there really targeted attacks against the church and religious liberty? Yeah, I, well, we talked about this leading up to the election. Um, and again, now that this, this capital melee has happened, you know, the demonization of one platform now is underway. And that's so I'm saying, OK, if you didn't like Donald Trump or if you felt he was not the right president, are you saying that the pro-life movement now is illegitimate and needs to be deplatformed? Are you saying that, you know, because there's policy things that uh, were done very well the last three, four years. There's some crazy stuff that was happening on the Hill. And I always go back to Judge Kavanaugh. I said, you know, if you think this is only, you know, directed at a guy like Donald Trump, look at what happened to Judge Kavanaugh. Look, look at how he was besmirched. And, and they tried to destroy that guy. And I thought he was pretty much a milquetoast guy and when it comes right down to it. He just happened to believe in constitutional law and order. Um, so, again, when you look at these kind of things, you're saying, wait a minute. And you're going to have to get past this demonization because the question is, what policy are we talking about? What what fundamental principle are we talking about? Because right now we're not talking that way. We're just talking about the person and demonizing the whole thing. Well, there are certain things, as you pointed out earlier, that we simply that that are principle that we simply cannot back out on. Uh, right to life, for example, from uh, from from conception until natural death, uh, our version of, virg of religious liberty. You cannot force a uh, a Lutheran pastor to con to conduct a same sex wedding ceremony. Uh, things along that line. And as you pointed out, I think this is, is where we are being demonized. We're saying, well, if you support those things, then you're a hater. Right. And, and the thing is, is that you can't even argue that the institution of marriage, not the, not the relationship of marriage, but the institutional nature of marriage, you cannot argue that that is not good for society. And see, that's where I try to tell people, come on, wake up, wake up to what's going on. They're using our language, relationship, love, these kind of things. But they don't mean that anything. They mean something completely different by it. And so when we start to argue these things, we need to be prepared for that demonization. And I'm saying the first thing I want to do is get past the demonization. Don't call us names. Talk about the policy. Talk about the platform. Talk about the moral issue we're talking about here. And that's where we're at, because right now. Same-sex marriage and the uh, transgender movement, you know, the uh, uh, that is the movement that's going to be used to actually uh, destroy the First Amendment from the church's point of view. Because that stuff's already in policies in Virginia, and it's in the Equality Act in the House, which I know as soon as President Biden becomes president, I think you're going to see that rushed to become law for the land. And that's that's going to be a scary mo uh, moment, I think, in our in, in our history. Agreed. Uh, and I think he said that's one of his uh, things that he wants to accomplish in the first 100 days. And for the sake of our audience who are not familiar with the Equality Act, uh, basically it, it says now you cannot discriminate against sexual orientation. A person believes that they are male or female. You have to serve them. You have to your services for them. But the really frightening part of that is it explicitly says in the, in the bill, that the Religious Restoration Freedom Act does not apply. Right, does not protect. And and so, again, you know what people need to understand here, because, they, again, we have this, I know a lot of Christians out there are like, well, people are struggling, and pe we need to be empathetic. Absolutely, 
Absolutely. But this is different. This is what's establishing the law of the land. And it's actually using the coercive part of the government to dictate how you are going to respond. And that's what the issue is. And again, this is obliterating the concept of male and female. People need to understand this. It's obliterating it. It means there there is no longer such a thing as male and female. Even though your body is XX, XY, science says it. You know, when you go to a doctor, it is it, important that the doctor treats you as either XX or XY, not according to what you think you are, because your body's physiologically, you know, programmed to that. And they're saying, no, that doesn't apply. Well, all the Title IX stuff, all the stuff that protected girls and actually gave girls, you know, co-equality, even though they were differentiated from males, you're going to start to see all those protections, um, you know, go away because people are saying there is no such thing as gender. There is no such thing as marriage. All there is is state. And that's what people don't understand is actually being propagated. Another aspect of that, I think, uh, it, it's almost a dichotomy here where they're uh, where uh, they're saying that, that women are oppressed, and then they're <laughs> supporting this thing that's going to really oppress women, um, and, and they, they they accuse us of uh, us the Lutherans of being misogynist, and yet our our doctrine states specifically that men and women have different roles, but they are co-equal. They, they, they complement each other. Yeah, and you can't say that. You know, legally, legally, Equality Act will say that differentiation is, is now, it's not just that you have a different point of view and you have to prove it in the public square, which I have no problem getting out there and trying to do, uh, but you can't say it. And if you say it, we can, we can put you in your proper place, which is put you out of business in a lot of ways. What's sad about that is is that there's a there's a healthy masculinity that we should that are we should be raising our boys to. There's a healthy femininity. There's a healthy respect for each other, and then there's a um, you know there's a healthy differentiation. We used to actually say you know men and women are different, and they need to learn how to love each other. They need to learn how to do that since they're so different. Now we're saying there is none of that. You know, it it, it obliterates all of that, and yet it somehow expects that we're going to live in peace and we're going to live in tranquility and we're going to live in service for each other. No, we're going to somebody's going to get power, and the rest of us are going to be in trouble. Well, what do you what do you see is, are, is going to happen in the next four years? Uh, well, you know, uh, our work is probably not more important than ever. But I do want, to, you know, as I said to the to, to the church, I, I'm not afraid of any of these things. This is not a defensive posture. What I'm saying is, we need to be prepared to fight for certain things without politicizing the gospel, and then we need to serve you know, the people that God brings to us. And they could be the very same people that we're fighting in the political realm. We could be serving them in, in our community service and law gospel in our ministries. You just got to learn how to differentiate those two. And you just need to take the word of, of these policy people. You need to take it seriously. I've, I've said on my, my uh, program, uh, my Liberty Alert, that people have said we want to politically put the church out of business in terms of its public policy. They've said these things. Well, those are kind of fighting words. And what we're going to do is fight that back using law and order principles, you know, to, to push this stuff back politically. Then the rest of it is just love the people that God sends us. But it's amazing. We, we haven't learned how to differentiate those two very well. It's difficult. I mean, after being 
called every name in the book for the last four years. We're suddenly supposed to say, oh, yeah, we'll get along together, which as Christians, we probably should. But as human beings, it's difficult. It is. And I think what you need to do here is uh, you need to take your as much as you can. You're trying to defend the things of Christ. You're trying to defend the things of the scripture. So if you're defending the Ten Commandments, you've got to just learn how to defend them for the sake of the person you're talking to, not for your sake, because God will protect you. God's going to protect his church. His word is going to go out and not return void. So be confident there. But ask yourself the question, okay, I'm defending this moral principle. This person disagrees with that moral principle. How can I try to explain how it benefits them? If you do that, you're basically, you could be called a fool for Christ at that point, but you're defending Christ. You're boasting about Christ's word. You're boasting about God's order of the world. You're boasting about the one who created, redeemed, and really loves you. So fear not there, but also you're going to have to get better at this because they're not letting us fight much anymore. They're actually saying, we'll put you out to pasture. You don't belong here. So we're going to have to fight just to stay at, in the public square. Do we have any uh, anything specific in the scripture or in uh, the Lutheran confessions that addresses this issue? Well, I mean, again, you know, when people talk about the separation or differentiation of church and state and, and how it's been orchestrated in our culture. That is a Christian worldview. I mean, I can't say it any, you know, Jesus, you know, statement, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, give to God what is God's, is the one that defines that there's a temporal realm that's not, it's going to pass away. So government is now part of that realm. It has a, it's a penultimate work. It's, it's important, but it's not essential ultimately to the things that God has for you in your relationship with God. Well, you just got to understand before this two kingdom separation or differentiation. It was theocratic. You either had theocratic leaders or you had monarchical leaders and the rest of you just kind of did what you were told. And so again, just to even understand that we have this role to play in the public square of getting God's things out differentiated from man's things, that's a that's the biblical worldview. And it's been such a blessing to so many people, including the secular progressives. And again, just from that perspective, engage. Oh, it's kind of difficult to engage, I think, when someone is calling for your head. Now, I have heard, I have heard um, a, a number of people who are militant on the uh, on the same sex side, uh, who are actually calling for punishment for people who who don't share their belief, not just not just exclusion, but actual punishment. Well, that's, that's correct. And that's what the Virginia Values Act is trying to do. And that's what the uh, Equality Act will do. It'll make, so uh, you know, give, to give a scenario, if a little boy comes to, to your school and he doesn't dress like the boys are supposed to dress, let's say I have a uniform policy and girls dre- dress in skirts and boys dress in pants, he comes in a skirt one day and you say, go back home and change. Well, there's a lawsuit right there. And, you know, those are the kind of things that are going to start happening. I think, unless the church has the protection to, to determine who, who, how it serves those that God uh, brings. And I think right now in Virginia, ADF and, and Beckett Fund, and they're already suing this stuff back. But like we said before, uh, before the election, if you vote and make the government have the power to enforce this, it's a whole lot harder to protect yourself from it than if the government can't uh, put this into law. Well, we just elected probably the most secular progressive uh, government. Well, the, the, the House pushed back. Uh, the Senate kind of didn't help us much, but the, the secular progressive agenda is going to have some legs in this in the, for the next two years. 
and um, that, that a lot of damage can be done. Well, I think uh, especially the uh, vice president-elect Kamala Harris, uh, given her her track record and her public statements, uh, to call her a militant secular progressive, I think, is if anything, is an understatement. Uh, and she's been very, very upfront about what she wants to accomplish. Well, and you know, for those, I would just say too, for those who think that you know we should just make sure there's a dialogue on both sides of the issue, I say all of academia, all of uh, now the political realm too, all of uh, the you know the media, all these kind of things, entertainment, all of it is coming from this secular progressive point of view. I would say we're way underrepresented in making sure there's an, an alternative voice. <laughs> so be that alternative voice, but I do think there's going to be. Um, yeah, I hope the punishments are not severe because it's going to wake some people up. I think you're right on that. And it's a, it's a frightening aspect. It's going to be, uh, the next four years are going to be very interesting, he said, with an ironic twist. And I think the, the next two years, even with the House, we'll have to see if the House actually. But again, if you're a secular progressive, you're listening in right now. What we're saying is live and let live. Let us be who we are. You can be who we yeah, That's kind of where we're the live and let live people. So anybody who's listening in right now, we are not trying to politicize this stuff. We're the ones trying to protect ourselves from the politicization of all of this stuff and the demonization and the delegitimation of all this stuff. And that's the problem is that now our voice is, is actually being demonized. And it's a basic biblical worldview, Ten Commandments worldview of things. Well, there are some very specifics. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with the uh, Trinity case where uh, uh, a you know, playground that was owned by a Trinity Lutheran Church uh, was initially denied funding to uh, take to uh, make the playground a little bit safer. Uh, playground, which I might add, was open to the public, was not for use of any uh, of any religious purpose. Uh, but the uh, I've I've uh, heard arguments that that this is one of the things that needs to be uh, uh, that needs to be uh, changed, where no public funds under any circumstances should ever be used for any religiously linked organization. And see that this begs the question: Why is the government in control of these funds in the first place? Why is the government in control of public funds for education? Why are they in control of this stuff? Where did they? How did they get from their limited role in our life, which is how the founding fathers understood them, to this point now where they're dictating what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, where you're going to get educated, or what what kind of uh, stuff if you're going to skin your knee on the playground? How did the government get in control of all of that stuff? And that's what the issue. Is because the founding fathers, who may have said the government doesn't have to be motivated by Christian faith, but they limited it to such small things, to such basic things that okay, fill a pothole. You don't have to be a Christian to fill a pothole correctly. But you know now, when it's in every aspect of our life, that's the issue, and we didn't create that secularization or that politicization of everything. We're pushing back on that. So if you're the kind of person who can't stand that the government tells you what to do about virtually everything, uh, join join the club. Well, one area where I think we're particularly vulnerable, and I think we're going to be seeing some action on this in the not distant future, are with our religious schools. Preschools and religious schools. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we, the Lutheran Church has many, many fine schools out there, and they have terrific records in, for academics and uh, things along that line. But 
for example, we have a ministerial exception where we can require our teachers to adhere to our beliefs. You know, are you Lutheran? Do you believe in blah, blah, blah? And this is one of the things that the Equality Act would like to repeal. What is that going to do to our schools, to our religious uh, schools? You know, we've been fighting this kind of stuff uh, even on the college campuses. I mean, the college campuses are not helping us either because there it's interesting. These groups that meet on college campuses, Christian groups are, are actually told that they have to have non-Christians on their board or pro-life groups are told they have to have pro-choice people on their board, but the pro-choice groups don't have to or the lesbian groups don't have to. It's just, it's crazy how we can't be who we are and the schools are going to be the first target. Um, and especially the universities because they're, you know, they got the Pell Grants, they're, they're intertwined with students using federal funds to actually go to college. Um, I just tell people again, you know, when, when you see these people coming into power saying, hey, we love and care about people, we want everyone to be educated, then why did they get rid of parental choice? Parental choice and, and, and these kind of things were helping even the most underprivileged people. Why did they get rid of those things? Because they're controlling what your the educational process. That that decentralization is what we're about. And homeschooling has a choice and chance, but they're going to come after homeschooling and they're going to come after parochial because they can't keep it. They can't control it. And so, again, folks, is this the kind of place you want to live? I mean, do you want to live in a place where they, they want to control education and you do not want to know what they're doing with education. That's a whole nother program. Well, let's get a bit more into the specific. Uh, the Lutheran center for religious liberty was established specifically to monitor and to advise uh, the power makers and policymakers in Washington to our view and to ask them how we can help them get along. What do you see your role now over the next couple of years? Well, we're going to work much more, um, we're going to try to work with Alliance Defending Freedom and Beckett Fund. We're going to try to be a li church liaison to them because we're going to, we're, I think we're going to see more litigation. And that's going to be a real problem. We, were, we didn't have to worry about litigation the last four years. Now we do. Uh, we still have to educate our church. We're still going to be out and about educating. Now, right now we're doing it digitally. Uh, we're going to still, and we're still going to try to launch an internship program. We start training up the next generation of leaders. Um, and then the policy stuff, we will be involved, but we're going to be coming at it from probably more of a minority perspective. But we will be undergirding those folks that are fighting uh, for the things that really matter. And so, you know, those people who lift up their head, we're going to try to make sure that they know that we're in this with you. So uh, it's going to be the same thing on the Hill, but it's I think we're going to have to you know, be a part of the litigation side where we make sure that people know what what ADF and what Beckett Fund and those kind of folks can do for them if it starts to hit them uh, between the eyes. Well, Greg, we've come to the end of the program. I want to thank you for appearing on the program and illuminating these uh, issues that are extremely important, both for uh, the Christians as a whole and particularly for Lutherans. And to remember that uh, we do have guidance. We have the guidance of the Bible. We have the guidance of the Catechism. We have the guidance of the uh, Confessions. Yes. And the truth, you know, Christ's truth, you speak the truth in love, um, it, it sets you free. So you've got something that the government can't take away, put it to use. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Free to be Faithful, produced by Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Thank you for listening and supporting Free to be Faithful on Worldwide KFUO.